Hey, Chicago, what do you say? This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. And the good news, Ryan, is the Chicago Cubs cannot hurt us today unless you're pissed about every draft pick the Cubs are making in the MLB draft. How's that starter? That's, that's perfect. Exactly, exactly how Luke would have done it. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's Monday. All-star break is here. Uh, Cody underscore CHGO on Twitter. Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. And our friend Greg Zumak, Ivy Futures on Twitter. He's joining us to give us all the insight on the MLB draft because I'll be honest, I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> I'm just being very upfront with you. And I was like this last year with you all too. Um, so we decided to bring Greg on to help us, you know, learn a little bit more about uh, some of the players. Obviously, Matt Shaw, the first round pick for the Cubs last night to start the draft off, uh, 13th pick mm-hmm. uh, in the first round. Highest draft pick by... Uh, someone out of Maryland ever mm-hmm. so uh, that's interesting Greg welcome man uh, how you doing tell me Matt Shaw is going to be a Hall of Fame player please <laughs> well I think anything less than a Hall of Fame player and what are you even doing uh, no I mean he's a really good player he he was consistently somebody I actually I'll, I'll probably post this image sometime later today kind of when the draft day two settles but I had him as the 10th ranked player in the class entering the year. And he played like it. He looks really good. I got to see him live look in Omaha when he was at the Big Ten Championship. And he, he's a fun player. So, you know, we can dive in, of course, if you want to. But I think he he fits a lot of what you're looking for. Uh, and for some of the fans who are like, please don't tell me that this guy is going to come up in like 2027, 2028. Like, I just want to win now. He's a good player to follow because if we're sitting here in 2027 and he hasn't made his debut, I think you're almost a little surprised. Maybe like, yeah, by late 2027, he should be up. He should be up even before that. Um, last night he was talking to the media uh, as like, I want to be up now. I want to do the, the Zach Neto path, you know, and be up in a few months to a year. And while that may feel a little, and they may pull back the reins a little bit, this is a guy who he's ready to roll. He, you he wants to he wants to run with it yeah I think um you know we actually kind of broached that subject yesterday with him and also with Dan Kantrovitz the uh the Cubs vice president of scouting um just kind of about the 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 plan or like you know any any sort of aggressive plan and um you know you look at the, the I think four of the last the last four college hitters the Cubs have taken Chris Bryant Kyle Schwarber Ian Happ Nico Horner were all up within two years um, so I, yeah, I guess my question is just like, how likely seeing what this guy, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've done the deep dive in him already. Um, you look at his makeup, you look at what he's been able to do. You look at his you know, maturity level. He's obviously, you know, yeah, through, gone through three years of college. Um, just, I guess, what are, what's the likelihood that you can see a, a quick rise through a system for a guy like Matt Shaw? I don't have a ton of concerns. I, I think he makes good contact. So I look at a few different factors, and, and production is there. If you look at his stats, you go to baseball reference, Matt Shaw, they're ungodly statistics, like really, really good. Every single season in college or in summer ball in college, uh, the OPS starts with at least a 9. So I think 952 is the lowest he's had. He's usually in the thousands. This is a guy that produces. So you already aren't really too concerned about that. He produces with wood. And that's a big question. Usually when you look at the college guys is, okay, they hit with aluminum bats. 
and you can miss hit a ball, but still hit it hard, and it, it'll find a hole. If you do that in the majors, you're usually like sawing off your bat, and that's not going to get you there, and pro pitchers are going to expose you. So you want to see how do hitters barrel the ball. He barrels the ball, and he hits it with wood really, really well. He was the Cape Cod League MVP last summer, which is a big test for college hitters. That's a big step. Do they hit in a wood bat league? Makes good contact, hits for power. My only question is, can he maybe rein in the plate discipline a little bit? He's got a good eye, but I'd like to see him chase the ball out of the zone a little bit less. But he was roughly college average, so you know we're we're nitpicking when we're talking about it. But he, you know, he's a top fifteen pick, so we can nitpick a little bit. I think if he just kind of settles down, controls the zone a little bit, I don't know. This is a guy that could be hitting in double A very very soon, and then at that point. You know, we, we saw what happened with Ian Happ. We saw what happened with, with Nico Horner. They didn't need a lot of time in those upper minors because they already had kind of proven it at the college uh, and then in, in the low minor level. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg, based off social media reaction that I saw last night, I think most Cubs fans are a lot more positive about this pick uh, when you compare it to Cade Horton of last year. <laughs> yeah. um, but that said, I did see some naysayers. Some people think that this guy's power isn't going to transition to uh, the major league level for whatever reason. I don't know. All I know is I saw the first video I saw of him was him hitting a 500-foot bomb in Iowa City. Yep. And uh, first off, I love that because I hate the University of Iowa. And second <laughs> off, uh, anyone hitting a 500-foot bomb, whether it's with a metal bat or not, that, that, that to me, that shows power. So... What, what do you think about that transitioning to the to the major league level one day or just in professional ball? Oh, yeah. No, I, I think he's got power. I mean, he's hit for power his entire college career. I, I'm trying to remember his freshman season. But like, yeah, he the guy hits for power. If you hit a 500 foot bomb, I don't care if you're hitting Super Bowls. Uh, if you're hitting a 500 foot bomb in Iowa, in a cold day in Iowa City, that is big boy power. So he, it's power there. I the draft's been a whirlwind. I try to follow it really, really closely, but I totally saw somebody. I, I won't call him out. I can't remember even who they were. Compare him to Nick Madrigal. We could not possibly be further from the truth there. <laughs> that is not a Nick Madrigal profile. Again, like Matt Shaw isn't a perfect player. I, I think the feedback or the the frustration from some fans who are kind of just watching this that they um, you know they're interested in the draft. They don't quite know. They see somebody like Kyle Teal who was the catcher out of Virginia, still be there on the board, <clears throat> which was a little bit of a surprise for, for some folks. And I think we internalize it. We think about this draft, like the MLB draft, kind of like the NFL or the NBA draft. And it's like, hey, your sixth-ranked player is there on the board at 13. Anybody who doesn't take him is an idiot. And that's not nec- that's like not how the MLB draft works. Um, there's a lot of nuance with that, especially with catchers. Uh, and their area scout who made the pick for Matt's Shaw saw both really closely. And he's a guy that I would trust their opinion on. So, you know, ultimately they, they picked Matt Shaw. He should be a quick riser play. I think maybe my biggest question is where he plays defensively, but you know, you hit well enough, they'll find a spot for you. Yeah. I think uh, another one of the talking points or, uh, you know, cons, so to speak of Matt Shaw was um, as for a shortstop, People say he's undersized, five foot eleven. I mean, is there any concerns in that he's five eleven, one eighty five coming out of college? Like, how much does that concern you if it does at all? 
Um, I'm not too concerned about the size. If if you've ever seen Matt Schott, so I, I got to see him in Omaha for the Big Ten Championship, and like his he okay, this is not a comp. He is not like Nico Horner. They are different players, very different players. But like mm. the physical, he's got huge wrists and forearms. This is like a very very strong guy. 185 feels a little bit light for me. Like he he's got some some good uh, you know muscle uh, size to him. So. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. I don't think he's a shortstop. I haven't thought he's a shortstop. I think he has kind of a weirder throwing motion. It's not for a lack of athleticism. He throws very over the top. I've been using the right-handed Ian Happ comp for a while now. Um, And and Ian Happ was a really, really good pick at pick nine. And so this is kind of that same type of profile. He may not have to go out to left field. Some are a little bit more confident than I am that he sticks at second or even third but yeah i just don't think he's a shortstop and that's totally fine that's not at the end of the day that's really not what you're drafting him for yeah i think um you know considering he's a shortstop you know he's been a shortstop forever like when you talk about guys that can you know they have the most athletic guys on the field the guys that can pretty much play anywhere you know maybe not first base right he kind of mentioned that yesterday he, he may be a little too short for first base but like as far as guys that can transition to other spots in the field like the shortstops are the ones that you know with Nico Horner Nico Horner kind of went through that same thing earlier earlier in his um, you know big league career that oh maybe he could play center field or something like that so I think yeah I'm, I'm with you in that he's a shortstop if he doesn't end up being a shortstop he's got the athleticism he'll be able to play somewhere else yeah I think so he actually made one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen in my life uh, certainly in person there is a play in the Big Ten Championship in which uh, it was against Michigan State that he made this incredible rangy play out into the outfield to catch this pop-up that up in the press box there was an audible like, oh, like, and people just don't, you know, the, the press box doesn't really do that very much. I don't have a ton of experience there, but my ex- experience up in, uh, up in the media group is, is that people generally keep it reserved everybody was in awe of that play. That was just a, a transcendent type of athletic play. So the guys got athleticism, you know, where they ultimately find a spot for him. I think it's going to be fine. I mean, even Dansby Swanson last night was sending him a text like, Hey, you're going to have to figure out a new position. Uh, but you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that you want from, from a team captain esque player, like, like Dansby. So I think that's fun. Yeah. I'm looking at his uh, baseball reference page right now. And I think, the biggest thing that I'm noticing outside of just the the incredible slash line um you know uh, he had the most at bats of his collegiate career this year but 43 walks Mm -hmm. to 42 strikeouts um sounds looks like a guy who has good approach and discipline yeah I uh I think that's big and and when you're trying to scout these college players you don't know how they're going to get to this point like I, you you said you know the 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 guy can hit you can, if he if he can hit you can figure out a place to play him when you said that I kind of got like Kyle Schwarber vibes in my head a little bit is 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 that does he have a similar type of plate approach as as Schwarber perhaps you know that's a really interesting thought I I don't have the batted ball numbers on on Schwarber but yeah patient they're both patient kind of sluggers i i like the fact that matt shaw will go the other way on things he's very aggressive he is very aggressive but in many ways 
that is what Marilyn needed him to do. So, like, I think that there's some some context, too, that, like, we also have to put with some of these numbers. The numbers are great, and they tell us a little bit about stuff. But at some of these, Maryland's not a small school by any means, Big Ten. But for some of these, like, non-LSU teams, well, Dylan Cruz for LSU is the, the guy who, you know, was one of the top players in, in the class. If he didn't, he could gladly take a walk because the next guy could just hit a two-run home run. And Maryland has other players. Like, I don't want to knock them. But in many ways, Matt Shaw was the biggest focal point on the offense. And so, like, he probably did need to chase a little bit out of the zone, even just knowing that, like, hey, I've got to produce right here. So we'll see in pro ball. But he's a very patient approach, a really good contact skills. Yeah, I, I think the Schwarber thing is something I have to reflect on. That's kind of funny. I think he's more athletic than Schwarbs. No offense to to uh, Kyle, because I think he's, he's had some athletic plays of his own. Uh but Matt Shaw could probably go out into center field. I, um, to move on to the second pick they made, um, the compensation round pick that the you know the pick they got for Wilson Contreras, uh, Jackson Wiggins out of Arkansas, you know missed the 2023 season, Tommy John surgery, so he's obviously still going through that. Um, wh- what do you make of that? What do you make of them taking a guy who just had Tommy John this year? Um, I mean maybe the box score numbers don't jump off the page, but some of the, the, the scouting reports on him have been, you know, he, he, he was flashing first round potential stuff before, you know, obviously missing this whole year. What do you take from the pick and, and, you know, what do you like about it? Yeah. So he's a guy that I've reached out to people that saw him in the sec and a couple reached out to me and they said, this is a guy that I've, that I've looked at and just said, how does anybody hit him? Like, I mean, and they're playing like the best offenses that if you just look at baseball reference, it's not pretty, Yeah. but then you look at like the underlying stuff and it's just, it's just really nasty, nasty type of pitching arsenal. I compared him to Nick Frasso of the Dodgers this morning. I think they're both tall, lanky guys. They've got similar kind of fastball profiles. So with that, I mean that the fastball movement tends to get a lot of ride up in the zone, but it also happens to move uh, towards a right-handed batter. So that we call that arm side run. <clears throat> They've got very similar fastballs, and I think some of the breaking stuff looks very similar too. Nick Frasso was also a guy that had Tommy John surgery, went in the fourth round, but I think teams have been kicking themselves ever since that they didn't take him earlier. I think they're really regretting that. And, you know, if you look at Jackson Wiggins, if you're the Cubs, and you think, man, we did really well with Kate Horton. He's not Kate Horton. They're different pitchers, but yeah. this is like maybe drafting Kate Horton six months earlier, if that was even possible, where you're like, we know that the physical tools are there. We know that the athleticism is there. Like I think Dan Ketchovich talked about that last night. The athleticism is off the charts mm-hmm. for Jackson Wiggins. We see the build and the frame, and we're like, let's just jump on this now. And, yeah. and so this is one that I, I think they're going to get a little bit more scrutiny for, but it's a high-risk, high-reward type pick. And going the very – you feel very good in what Matt Shaw is going to be in the future gives you the ability to take this chance right now. Yeah, I like the – you mentioned Horton because actually Cantrovance last night was talking about that, you know, obviously Kate Horton last year was – the the College World Series was kind of what – made him that first round pick for the Cubs. Um, but then he mentioned like seeing Wiggins at, 
you know, in Omaha, same same tournament. They didn't make it as far, obviously, but um, really putting himself on the map for them. And obviously, a year later is their their second pick. You know, their conversation round pick. But yeah. I guess my question about Wiggins is 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 it worth taking someone that has the comp or not the comp, but just that's labeled high risk, high reward in the second round, whether it's your comp pick, whatever. Like that, I guess that I could understand fans. Uh, criticism of it just because how many other guys are out there that are also high risk high reward right like I I guess that's my only like big question with it like because again like the draft has only gotten more and more important for organizations as years have gone on I don't think I've ever seen the MLB draft as as looked at as it ever has been other than the last you know five years and so to see them take a guy with like with that label and the and with your second pick, I think it it like like you said a lot of criticism could come down the road. I what like you kind of explained it in a way, but what is the biggest thing that sets him apart from some of these other guys maybe that that the Cubs saw that potentially could lead him to being like a major addition down the road. So I'll first start by answering the criticism, which is. I think totally fair. I, I think that, it, it, you know, I don't have a, a huge issue with the pick or anything, I, but I think if you're a fan watching and you've been paying attention to the draft and you got your guys that you're following and you, you would rather maybe take the, have them take like an upside uh, high school guy, like I think this is totally fair, Chrism. It's the thing that this is probably going to be the focal point of the draft where you say, hey, I didn't really like that pick. And, and that's totally fine. We... What does set him apart is that every once in a while we see these, and and a little bit more often with that, we see organizations take a real swing, uh, pun not really intended, and on these like very, very high upside arms. And you can get a really elite arm there. The Dodgers have taken swings on that, even guys with Tommy John, the the Rays definitely have, and you see his stuff and it pops off as much as anybody in the class. Like Jackson Wiggins, when he was, you know, he had a lot more inconsistencies. He's not as good as this type of a player, but there's some profile aspects that aren't that far off from Chase Dollander, who was entered the year as the top overall pitcher. I had some inconsistencies himself, still looked really good and was a first rounder, but like, that's the type of thing where you're taking just a big swing. As far as what sets him apart other than that, I mean, it, it was a really good deep group. So there's a lot of guys that went right after him. Joe Whitman looked really good. He's a lefty out of Kent State. I, he, some were picking him in the first. I would have been completely fine there. Cade Cooler was actually another one of my favorites. He was out of Campbell. And, and so, like, I, I think it's, it's fair to find your guys in the draft and say, Imagine I would have picked this person. Let's see how it all turns out. So, hey, I think he's upside. The fact that they could go with Shaw made them give that a chance. Uh, worked out as well. You know, figures crossed on that. And then ultimately, what they do in rounds three through twenty also help that. This is one pick. So I'm encouraged by what they're doing so far on day two, and it's it's been very fun to watch. Um, just. Quick update, uh, Cubs just picked in the eighth round, 236th overall. Select Brett Bateman, an outfielder out of Minnesota. Um, 
So I guess that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, we're through eight rounds, and a lot of college players, first five picks for college, obviously, so this makes six out of eight. Um, I, what does that tell you, if anything? What does it tell you, especially the fact that the first five picks all coming out of college, what does that tell you about the, you know, the Cubs' strategy and what they've looked at with this draft and what they wanted to do? I think this is so. This actually this makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and for some context on this particular draft, this is the draft where you are getting a lot of the players who could have definitely gone pro in the twenty twenty draft, but it got shrunk to five rounds. Mm-hmm. And so after you know before that it was forty rounds, and then yeah. shrunk to five because of the COVID season. <clears throat> a lot of these players didn't really even get scouts out to see them at all you know they might have just started their season and they got canceled or some of them didn't even play they ended up going out to campus so a lot of these players would have never you know even been available at this point and so to have teams fixate a little bit or, or hyper focus on the college group makes a lot of sense it's a really deep group for the college yeah. ranks and so you know I, I like that overall strategy as long as you're willing to kind of mix in some high school players when it makes sense, and the Cubs have, have nabbed a couple of them. But overall, I like uh, several of the college selections. I think they're really good. They're actually some of my favorite players in the class. I wasn't even sure that the Cubs would take them, but uh, you know, a few of them, like Josh Rivera, Mike Carrico, just immediately jumped off the pages as uh, players that I absolutely love in this class. Uh, you know, spe- speaking of taking a bunch of college players, Last year, the Cubs took, like, all pitchers. And this <laughs> yes. year, they've taken a lot more uh, position players to yeah. start, at least, right? Two pitchers thus far uh, to this point. Uh, what's, your, I, what's your thoughts on that? Because I know a lot of people last year, like, we, we talked about the pitch lab, the, the infrastructure, and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, some people are buy into it. Some people aren't. I think it's had, a, it's had a lot of success. It's had some failures as well. Uh, to see them going a lot of position players here, what is, what, what's your immediate thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I, you know, I think if you take it one by one, it each individually makes sense. And then when we look at the board, it'll even make more sense. So they, they started off and they took a few guys that were just value plays is, is how I'd put it. So Josh Rivera is a shortstop out of Florida was one of my favorite players in the class just totally turned it on he's an older guy i think he comes i don't know this for sure but i think he comes with a little bit of savings and then uh you know i'll skip the next one because there's a pitcher and then we get to michael carico in the uh fifth round who is a catcher again really really enticing type of package of profile he's absolutely mashing on the cape cod league right now so if they've got scouts out there, which I imagine they do, they're telling them, hey, this guy had some injuries a little bit earlier in the year, but he looks great. Let's take him. So those are kind of your foundational guys. Those are your top five rounds. If you want to get your best chance at a impact hitter, it's usually in the top 100 picks or so. The fourth round is 113th overall. The, f- mm. the fifth round, I think, is 143. So you're basically saying that's our best chance to get impact hitters, uh, certainly from the college ranks. And so they took a few of them right out of there. Last year, they went heavy on pitching. And so this year, they had the ability to just take, like, best player available. And I think that just ended up being what happened there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, the, uh, I'm curious what you think of just, like, the overall – 
kind of draft? What we've seen, I mean, I, you know, every year's different, obviously. A certain group of players obviously rises in, in some years and, and different years it changes. What are you seeing this year um, that kind of stands out to you uh, as far as just what, what's going on throughout the entire league and the entire draft? It's a great year for college depth, which we talked about. So I won't belabor that point. You know, that that certainly has a mm-hmm. big impact. But also a really, really good group of infielders, like high school and college. The high school infielder group is one of the best in, in a while. 2021 is probably the record a year as far as like high school shortstops. But we're seeing a lot of really good high school shortstops in, in, the, in this draft. The Cubs haven't really taken one they did pop one in the the seventh round i believe from puerto rico i'm not super familiar with his profile he's kind of an off the radar pick i'm gonna have to dig in but we see the infielder group as a really really strong group and that matters a lot because that's a demographic of players that does really well like you brought it up ryan earlier Mm -hmm. uh, that if you play shortstop you can play other places on the field, right? Like they're not having, and again, no disrespect for like to the Kyle Schorber who, you know, Cubs legend, but like it's not Kyle Schorber playing shortstop. Like he is, these are very, very like athletic, uh, movable players that if you kind of load up on those, we talked about Matt Shaw, some others that, that make a lot of sense. And so if you can take a few of those guys, devote some of those team resources, this is, this is the time to do it. This is a good draft for that. Um, We've also seen a lot of players that just had injuries but haven't been the major ones. So Jackson Wiggins had a major injury, a Tommy John surgery. That's a very significant thing. But we saw like Will Sanders, who's the Cubs' fourth-round pick, pitcher. He entered the year as one of the maybe pretty consistently like top 10 like right-handers in the class. Somebody that some folks had early first-round grades on, just dealt with some inconsistencies, kind of injured his foot towards the end of the season. That's not major stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't want to mitigate it, right? The guy, maybe his foot really hurts right now, but like <laughs> we are not talking major arm or shoulder issues. So if you're going to take chances on that, that's probably somebody that should have gone in the second or third round. It's just kind of trying to take like value plays. And I like that. Teams, there's a lot of players across the league that had those issues. And I think if you look at, at how, the draft is going there's a lot of these players even taken in the fifth sixth round where you're like how did that guy last there it, it's some really smart teams and, and i believe the cubs are one of them are, are employing that strategy right now uh greg zumag ivy futures on twitter north side bound it, we, we've we've held you for almost 30 minutes and i've i've been reading the chat and we've obviously we talked a lot about the draft but some people are asking about Ben Brown and what's going on with him in, in Iowa. And uh, I, I know you're watching more than me. So uh, what's wrong with Ben Brown right now? Well, I don't have an easy answer other than the fact that, like, command on fastballs can get iffy sometimes. And, and that's what we're seeing. Like, I just don't think he has command of the fastball right now. And his stuff is, is really good. But if you don't have command of the fastball with his type of profile, so his fast his profile is very much built on the fastball. It's a swing and miss pitch, uh, and while he gets swing and miss on his other pitches in his arsenal, arsenal especially that like slider cutter and curveball, it's very much built off of the fastball. And so if you start to see, not to bring this back to the draft, but that's very similar to what happened to like Chase Dolander, who's you know one of the top prospects in the draft this year. If you start to lose command of the fastball, it'll drift over the plate, 
And if hitters know it, and especially AAA hitters, those guys are like either major league players, former major league players, or potentially soon to be major league players. They can they can sniff it out, right? Those guys are sharks up at the plate. Yeah. That if you if they know, oh man, this this fastball is just going to drift right over the heart of the zone, they're going to smack it into oblivion. He he's had some command issues. It's been off the plate. He's had a bunch of walks. That stuff, the stuff still looks fine. And so I'm hoping, I'm really hoping he just kind of needs a mental breather, reset, fix something. Maybe he's even tipping his pitches. That I'm not sure. I'm not trying to start a rumor. I just, you know, that kind of thing can happen. And he would be a prime candidate for somebody who, as he's getting closer on his innings, I would step him back, send him to the development list, which is a really common strategy all teams do. Give him a breather on innings, tweak the mechanics, send him right back, let him have a good rest of the season, and potentially even pitch his way straight to Wrigley Field. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's curious how, like, the the ups and downs of guys in the minors, because come, like, I, a few months ago, we were, I think we were all really, we were, I think some of us were even like, well, let's get Brent Brown up here now, because he started the season so hot, and now he's going through some struggles, and, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, so... Yeah, I try. Well, I, mean, I'm the, I try to rein them in. I try to rein them in when, yeah. when they do that because <laughs> yeah. you know struggles are going to come. Like I'm, I, you mm-hmm. see it every year. You see it with almost every player. Like struggles happen. Yeah. I mean, think about where we were with Hayden Wisniewski at the beginning of the year, right? This guy absolutely shoved in spring training. Everything was crisp. Everything looked good. He was a. There would have been riots in the street, maybe even literally, if he didn't make the team out of spring training. Fastball command became a huge issue. His fastball shape was a little bit different, so that means like the movement on it. And boom, and that's all That's all it needed to kind of set the profile off. He just just somebody that, no, he doesn't have the raw stuff that Ben Brown has. But, I mean, Hayden's a bulldog out there, and he knows how to pitch, and he's got a pretty interesting arsenal out there. You had just one little command issue pop up, and it really kind of set him back. Long term, I'm not concerned about that. I think he's the same guy, and I hope he gets a real chance here in the rotation, even you know coming up. But... Ultimately, like we can see how just one thing can just set the car rolling down the hill, so to speak. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you for taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, we're gonna watch the rest of the draft play out. Maybe uh, if it's not you, we're gonna get your other friend Greg on here. Uh, <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah. And and <laughs> we'll always we'll always promote uh, Northside Bound. Go check out the site if if you haven't heard of it. Uh, good stuff, man. I appreciate, appreciate you coming it. on, Greg. Yep. Love you guys at CHGO. Great work. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. It, man. Thanks. Thanks. Just, uh, just like how bright I am on the Cubs uh, farm system at times, it's, it, it, is it as bright as ComEd's energy efficiency program? One might say yes. So uh, <laughs> it's committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. Yeah, ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Oh, Ryan, how does it work? Well, I'll tell you right now, Cody. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, don't wait. 
Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. Did you say comed.com slash poweringbiz, Ryan? Yeah, I did. And what do you say? Schedule it today. There you go. Stuck would be proud of that one. Yeah. Uh, Cubs don't play until Friday, but the Red Sox are coming to beautiful historic Wrigley Field. I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm excited uh, because I think Cubs, Red Sox, when they get together, it's a – I think that just is part of what makes baseball beautiful. Two historic franchises, two historic ballparks. Uh, I'm excited because I've never been to see that series. So I got my tickets on game time, obviously. Nice. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all music – or for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets to start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Uh, again, I've used uh, game time for a lot of different events. Uh, yep. I know Drake was in was at United Center this weekend, right? Was he? I think so. I saw oh it on yeah, Instagram. Come on, man. How do you guys not know this? Of course, yeah, he was here last week. Yeah. I mean, Aren't you a, like, young person? I am a young person. You know Fun fact, things? Drake, he performed at the Harvard of the Midwest, Eastern Illinois University, before he was even big, and that is something that I like to tell people. <laughs> he, Imagine the, how cheap those tickets were. There's a picture of, of Drake with a Missouri hoodie on, but it's like all the letters are taken out except the miss you. So... <laughs> Go, go look that one he up on He was bandwagoning again. Look that one uh, up <laughs> Game time is a place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what what to expect when you arrive buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set tickets are sent directly to your phone and you never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code chgo for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem with code chgo for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guarantee um we got 26 likes and 88 people watching. That doesn't make sense. Please hit the like button for uh, Greg Zumack, who just joined us uh, for the first segment. And hit the like button because you missed Luke Stuckmeyer, because I miss Luke Stuckmeyer. Yeah. He's still on vacation for yeah, anyone he, who's wondering. He doesn't get out of bed for less than 100 likes. I know, man. You like, know it's big of us to show up and do our jobs while he just continues to be on vacation. Uh, we got a handful of people in the chat. When Greg was on, I was reading the chat, and I uh, – it, I always find it so interesting to to hear like fans like thoughts on the draft and everything. My favorite thing is how the people in our chat know everything about all these prospects, <laughs> and they are like clearly locked in on all these guys oh, yeah. and know yeah. if they're busts or not. Already right. know more than I do. Well, yeah, definitely know more than I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I listen. I, I'll just say this much to it: the Cubs have been very good in the first round, at the very least, over the last decade, outside of you know a few years. So, yes, they need to hit more in the middle rounds, in the late rounds, whatever. Uh, should they be taking, you know, I remember last year with Cade Horton, people wanted, I think it's the third baseman that went to the Nationals. Was it, I can't uh, remember his name. There was Brooks Lee. Brooks was in Lee, there, thank I you. Think was yeah. In, uh, people wanted them to take him because the Cubs don't have a third baseman. And they went with Horton. No one really liked it. 
he's a top 100 prospect right yeah. now. He's 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 been. I mean, he's been as advertised to this point. Will will he go on to be an ace one day for the Chicago Cubs? I sure as hell hope so. And that's kind of how I look at Matt Shaw. Like, I don't know. I didn't watch Maryland baseball this year. Like, well, the the thing with the draft that it's not like the NBA or the NFL. These guys, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, obviously these guys don't go right up and 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 produce impact. an impact. Really, really, they, just team. Don't, they don't make the. The, their, their, your major league team, yeah. With even within a year, you know, right. two years is, is is pretty freaking quick for some of these guys. So like, when people are saying, you know, we need, you know, the Cubs need this, the Cubs need that, whatever it is, it's like the draft isn't isn't what you do with that because that need may be mm-hmm. completely gone in two three years when whoever you draft is ready to come up. Like you may not mm-hmm. need it anymore. So like. Sure, Matt Shaw, you know, Dansby Swanson just signed a seven-year deal, right? So he's got six more years after this. Nico Horner just signed his own extension for another three years, I think, after this year. Uh, but you know what? Like, Matt Shaw's a shortstop, and like I said earlier, like Greg said, shortstops are the best athletes on the field. They could play really really anywhere. You know, right. They got to obviously practice and stuff, but they can move all over the field. Mm-hmm. So just because, you know, Matt Shaw's a shortstop and shortstop isn't a position of need now or any, you know, probably any years in the future, like not taking Matt Shaw because of that would be just not the right move because he's, you know, eventually if he worked his way up and makes the big league roster, like he's a guy that they can move to fill in another hole. I mean, I right. think like when, when we talk about the major league baseball draft, like that is what, you know, rebuilding maybe some of the depth in the farm system is, is more of a concern. You know, you have uh, little holes throughout the, the system of guys that just, you know, are hurt or guys that have been promoted to the big leagues or whatever, whatever you're talking about. Like, then you start to look at what you have in the system a little bit more. But based on the need of the major league team, it's just not – I mean, that matters. That plays a factor. But it's not the biggest concern or the biggest um, driving force of who – Dan Kantrovitz and the rest of the scouts and who you know that whole everyone that makes a decision that is not the biggest driving force of who they ultimately take in the, the draft of, of any year. Right. Uh, Brent says video the video of Shaw shows that he's pretty good makeup. I'm excited to see what he can become and that's kind of where I'm at. Our friend Rich yeah. he says give the kids a chance. The front office is that's a word I can't read. Privy. Uh, privy. Privy. Is that how you say it? Privy. Okay. Is privy to infinitely more information than fans. And I mean, that's true. And listen, I'm not, that doesn't mean you, you can't criticize or be pessimistic or, or, uh, you know, not like every single pick. I'm not, I'm not telling you you can't do that. I'm just being honest with you all when I say that I don't know who any of these guys are. <laughs> and listen, I, I have a lot of confidence in Dan Cantrovitz. The guy used to do this for the Cardinals, I believe. And as yeah. we've talked about for years and years about how that organization is able to just churn out ta- talent year after year after year. And, you know, he hasn't been – he's been with the Cubs for what, four years? This is his fourth draft. Four, fourth draft, right? So I am – we, we're, we're starting to see some guys make an impact, right? Uh, rise those prospect lists. Yeah, we're still waiting for some to really come up and, mm-hmm. and make an impact for the major yeah, league like team. Like Niren points out the Ed Howard pick yeah. in, <laughs> in 2020. Um, you know, I, I find it hard to knock a guy who had a pretty bad hip injury yeah. that's taken out a lot of his a development A freak time. injury. Yeah, yeah. I, hard, I find it hard to knock a guy, but Niren, yeah. you know, I know. I know, I know the only reason people friend. bring that up is because Jordan Walker was taken after. That's literally the only reason people bring it up. And, I, and like, I get it. I get it. But also, like, th- there's no, like, no, there's nothing that says that Ed Howard can't be something. Or at least he, if, 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 if he has a 
starts playing to the level of that people want maybe they can move him for an impact player that's I mean, that's the way prospects are always going to be looked at for me you know it was a mean? bad injury it was yeah. a freak injury a bad injury and he's going to need time to you know yeah he's going to need time and you know Niren also points out just the other rounds and I'll give him that too like the the just drafting of like throughout the draft have not found maybe not even those diamonds in the rough mm-hmm. so to speak like well, what about Hayden McGeary he was well, like a well, 15 round like they just have but he I mean, what is he he's in, he's in double A yeah but I'm talking about like I think what Niren is trying to point out is like they haven't the overall draft haven't really found those like Diamonds in the rough that come later in the draft that eventually impact the a, well, you know major league that's team. Fair. David well, Bodie was maybe going to be that guy, mm-hmm. um, hasn't ultimately worked out, but like he was on that trajectory, um, which is a fair criticism in that even with some of the success of these first round picks, like just throughout the rest of the draft have not mm-hmm. really produced a bunch of players, well, even on, if no. it's like bullpen it, guys and whatever. But wasn't twenty twenty the five round draft yeah. for yeah. COVID? So it's five players. Yeah, like that's yeah. not a lot of darts to be thrown at the wall that. Oh no! Five guys missed. Well, well, it's very. Matt Mervis didn't. Matt Mervis didn't get drafted in 2020. You know, yeah. like so. Would have been drafted if you know they had it more was rounds, later, but, but was not. I, I I think. I I get the criticism and and I see where Niren's coming from in that. First round picks, obviously, like, you know, first round picks should be the ones that kind of come up and, and impact your team, and that's what the Cubs had a lot of success with. Mm-hmm. You know, for most of the 2010s, maybe not all every single pick, but most of it. Um, but they haven't done the best job of, like, finding those later round guys that come up and, and play a part. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if any of these guys can do that. Obviously, 2022 is draft is still way too early to really say yes or no mm-hmm. on any of those guys. Like Hayden McGear, you mentioned him, is hitting really well. And he, w- we'll see. And he was in last year's yeah. draft. So we'll see. That's what I'm saying. Like He was a later round pick last year's draft. We'll see where he goes. But mm-hmm. – it's very early. First to baseman tell. too. So. It's it's way too early to to give any positive or negative feedback on on that draft. I think you like for for that you gotta obviously to give it some time to play out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. again, uh, I'm just very whatever. Uh, other news, I guess today. Justin Steele's not starting <laughs> for the National League. Yeah. And listen, I don't really care, but. Would have been cool. And he is one of the lower ERAs in the National League. It felt like he deserved – he was in the conversation uh, for it. Uh, he has the lowest ERA in the National League. Did he still – I knew he had given up a few runs in those last starts, so I wasn't exactly sure. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Thank you for confirming. Uh, no, Clayton Kershaw did pass him up. 2-5-5 to 2-5-6. Zach Gallen is pitching. So, I Kershaw's guess if, also hurt, if there's any he? pro to it, at least it's a pitcher that is for a team that is part of the All-City Network. Congrats, PHNX. <laughs> there you go. Say something and, nice And a first-place team. Yeah, per, yeah, PHNX Diamondbacks are getting a lot of a yeah. lot of the good stuff this the year. The answer backs. I love that nickname. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I, that's – I don't know. I actually don't know how they pick. I think it's just the uh, between the coaching staffs and maybe Major League Baseball has their um, say in that because obviously it's – you mm. want to put the, the stars up there, right? Yeah. Um, I do think Justin Steele was deserving. I think he's put together a really, really good year, really good first half, obviously, right? Like, the numbers tell you that. Yep. Um, he's really come into his own this year. He's been very, 
you know, impressive to watch him do that. And if you're the Cubs and you, you know, you talk about the pitching infrastructure and you're trying to flip this narrative that the Cubs can't develop pitching, right? like you're trying to get rid of that. Like Justin Steele is the guy you point at, right? He's yeah. like this guy, this guy, you know, if I'm the Cubs, if I'm Jed or Carter, whoever, I'm like, this guy went from a high school pick in 2014 to almost started the all-star game in 2023, right? That's, that's who I'm pointing at as far as like, this is what my organization can do. We're on the right track. We've done it. We have a proven tangible result of it. What we're trying to do is working. I, I, if I'm the Cubs, I'm pointing at him. I'm pointing at Adbert and saying like, these are the guys that have come through our system and done what we, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the product is what we envisioned it to be. Um, so I think those are the guys you'd point at if you're the Cubs and, pitching infrastructure people. And there's still some other guys too that, there's, guys. that you can look at and there's still high upside. Like, you want to talk about guys that they've drafted and we've seen some flashes or, mm-hmm. you know, had some hope. You know, Ethan Roberts was taken in 2018, showed some flashes last year, then had to have Tommy John. Pro- might, we might see him at the end of the year, depending on where the Cubs are at. Uh, I don't know what, what happened to Keegan Thompson, but he also was a guy that they kind of developed themselves as well. Uh, hopefully he can get things figured out. Because I still think he can be something. You don't just do what he did last year and then completely fall off the mm. planet like he, like it seemed like he did. Uh, so I still have some hope that he gets things figured out. You know, they, they've had a lot, a handful of bullpen guys at least that you can feel good about. You know, some guys that are in the minors right now that um, people are excited about. Um, Luke Little, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, none of those. Uh, like Palencia just came up and yeah. like has people excited. Palencia was part of a trade, but still. It, I mean, he still like went through the went know, through, through the, the system, system the last though, couple right? of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole going to the development list, moving to, you know, the relief role, mm-hmm. um, and coming up, and he's got great stuff. Like, there's just because he didn't start out in the system, like they they've had enough time to kind of get their hands on That's him, fair. start to put him through mm-hmm. their own pitch lab and what they want to do yeah. with him. And you know, it's very early on in his career, right? Yeah, very, yeah, very early, early on. Yeah. Would, would like to see what he could do because, yeah. that, like you just mentioned, there's other relievers that we've seen have success, Keegan Thompson, and then, yeah. um, you know, just did not mm-hmm. – have not been able to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Palencia, you know, he's got the velocity, he's got the stuff, um, but he, you know, he's a guy that excites people. Um, there's plenty of guys in, in the system right now, even guys that came in trades, you know, whatever. It's just when, – when even when they come in trades, you know, there's still guys, they still have to go through the pitch lab, go through – you know, the pitch development department, Craig Breslow, all those guys um, that want to get their hands on him, want to kind of help them, help mold them and in, in how they think is best to, to make those guys as successful as they can be at the major league level. You know, it, it's it still hasn't been a long time since they did overhaul that yeah. the pitching infrastructure. So I think, you know, guys, guys like Steele or Isles Y are the early returns from doing that, from really mm-hmm. investing in – that part of the game, that part of the development mm-hmm. process for pitchers. And obviously the hope is that you see more guys go through that and become, even if they don't become all-stars like Justin Steele, but they become reliable starters or they, they become reliable bullpen guys. They just keep doing that. Because I know Jed Hoyer's talked about, at least bullpen-wise, like just kind of filling up a bullpen with homegrown guys, guys that have come through their system, have made it based on what the pitching – development coaches and people have wanted them to do that they made it that way and so they that's how they look at in the future they want to have a bullpen that's full of their own guys 
Right. But what I'm saying is, like, it's it could happen. It obviously isn't happening yet. Could happen. Um, but we're still so early on in just this whole overhaul of the system that mm-hmm. these are you're starting to get some early returns. Whether that lasts for good still remains to be seen, and whether they can produce some more still remains to be seen. But, again, if you're Jed, if you're Carter, if you're Craig Breslow, if you're whoever, you're like, you know what? Justin Steele's Justin Steele is the poster boy for our pitching infrastructure. Yeah, and that's a a good point that you made because, uh, like you, we've sat here and kind of talked about the the criticisms about the the you know just the inability to develop pitching. Justin Steele, through the Cubs and through his own, you know, hard work, has really has really turned himself into a really solid arm. I don't think anyone expected him to have one of the lowest earn run averages this mm. year. I I remember at the beginning of the year, before the season, my bold prediction was that he'd pitch 180 innings. And, like, I, you know, I don't know if he's still on track for that or not because he missed a few starts. But, you know, I feel good about him and his the amount of innings he's going to be able to give the Cubs the rest of the year yeah. if he keeps us up. And so it's it's awesome to see him – you know, earn this spot. I think he's the one that fans and obviously his teammates were excited about the most to get their first all-star appearance um, and just, you know, really take control of his own career, man. It's, uh, it's awesome stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I feel, uh, you know, as far as the draft, you know, we go through some of these other guys, um, you know, they just took uh, they just got Jonathan, a Jonathan Law in the ninth round out of Law. out of Long Beach State. He's a Jonathan first baseman. Jonathan Long out of Long Beach State, and, and it's Jonathan. Jonathan, another college position player. Another college position player. Is there, there's a there's a trend. Yeah, there's a trend going here. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I do like to see a little bit more. Like I'm sure there will be more pitchers taken, but I do like to see a little bit of both. Because I I, w- I will say last year it's like okay. This team doesn't have any offense of stars on the team right now. And, yeah, there's guys, like, in the minors that were making noise last year, but you're like, who's who's going to be the star hitter? And hopefully one, maybe two of these guys that they draft ends up being a star down the road for this yeah. franchise. Um, real quick, so Craig said no more Brad Boxberger-type guys. I think that was based on what I was saying. Yeah. I don't think you'd rule out the Cubs going and getting a veteran guy because they value, like, veteran pitchers and what they bring to the – you know, to that bullpen and what they can do to some of these, you know, the, the advice they can pass along to some of these young guys. Um, but what I think is is the case of what Jed was trying to say was that, what, you know, when you have to keep replacing guys, you replace your bullpens, you're building your bullpen, going out and having to fill it with veteran, you know, free agent types, whatever, that's kind of what they've done the last couple of years, the last few years. Yeah. They want to get to a point where maybe they do still bring in a Brad Boxberger type guy, you know, a cheaper veteran guy, uh, but he's surrounded by guys that they brought up through the system. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what the idea Ideally, is. for me, in my head, when I think about it, it's like Palencia, as, as well as Alzlai is pitched in the closer role now, in my eyes, I still think Palencia is the future closer of this team just based off the stuff. If you know they got him, you got Bailey Horn down there, Luke Little, like I said. Like ideally, some of those guys are part of next year's bullpen, or maybe get a chance here in the second half. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully, Jeremiah Estrada can can get can can get it right. I know we were a lot of us were excited to maybe see Cam Sanders this year. He's kind of had a lot of ups and downs. 
there's 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 a lot of dudes. So you, in my head, ideally, yes, you want to be able to supplement the bullpen with guys from your system. That way, you can afford to use more money on position players like Shohei Otani or pitchers, <laughs> I guess, like Shohei Otani or you know uh, a guy like Dansby Swanson or you know signing the best starting pitcher on the market in free agency, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's what, yeah, I think that's another part of it. Is just the the cheap cost control guys and, and being able to rely on them allows you to not have to worry about, you know, yeah. going in and spending a lot of money on an Edwin Diaz type, right? Like right. giving him the crazy contract that he got. Like they can, they can exactly. use those resources elsewhere. Um, but I was going to say, you know, they just, who was it? Jonathan Long just got taken. So yep. I got one more pick to go. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have to dig in a little bit on a bunch of these draft picks that we haven't gotten a chance to look at since we started the show. Uh, I'll do that later. And when I do that, I think, I think I'm gonna need a goose, uh, you know, some some Goose Island beer. I think I'm gonna need to get some of that. It's a perfect time. It's summertime shy, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Uh, just take a look at their beer roster, man. You got the Goose IPA, six-time medal winner at Great American Beer Fest, always in style, as a citrus aroma, bold hop finish. You got the Tropical Beer Hug, Dry Hopped Imperial IPA, 9.9% alcohol. That's dangerously easy to drink. You got the 312 Wheat Ale. Full pocket pills, everyday beer. What the brewers are drinking. Are you? Uh, do, do you have a specific favorite right now? Uh, I man, I love it all. I'm, the tropical beer hug is really good. Tropical beer. For 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 as strong as it is, dangerously, like you said, <laughs> dangerously uh, it, easy it, to drink. Yeah, I've it, I've always been favorites. a three one two. I know Corey's always been a three one two guy. Um, that hasn't changed, but just having, you know, more Goose Island in the mm-hmm. office has. It's giving me some other things to think about. It right? makes Maybe, the summer even better. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't have to be exclusively 312 anymore. I can be all these different mm-hmm. types. So uh, grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive brewery beers at Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. And, uh, you know... Nothing goes better with beer than going to college, guys. <laughs> Students are just like you, full-time jobs, families, full-time sports fandoms. Go back to go back to school to earn a respected degree at Lewis University, 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, ranked as one of US News and World Report's top-tier colleges. Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening online and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. Faculty bring real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which is immediately relevant to your career. We offer career support and academic resources for adult students looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program. Lewis has the right program for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. We're just going to highlight one here. I always like to bring up the computer science because if you want to get into, like, baseball front office or something like that. Uh, not the worst path to go down. It's not the worst path to go down. They make a lot of money, and they know a lot about math. And I'm not a math guy, and that's why I sit here and do this podcast that's instead. That's why you do Dell Metrics. Yeah, that's, all, that's why Dell Metrics, honestly, they should be uh, in fan graphs, and they won't do it. It's, <laughs> it's disgusting. But anyway... You can you can do computer science if that is something that you want to make a lot of money doing one day because you can. Uh, discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. All right. We got a few minutes left in the show. 
shall I go on a rant about why Christopher Morrell should have been <laughs> in the home run derby tonight? I like could. That. It's dumb that he's not because it would have been electric because that guy just hits bombs and he has vibes. But big You're of me not to not do, do so. I won't okay. do so. Uh, Who do you got tonight? I mean, I'm excited to see it. I think uh, just for the good of our show, of our company, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Luis Robert. Okay. Luis Robert's going to take it. Just for the good of our company, for some good Big content. of you. Credit Luis, to you. Luis Robert, big of me. I'm taking uh, the hometown guy, J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez, in the Derby tonight. Uh, plus 750 on DraftKings Sportsbook, my favorite app. Uh, I'm also taking J-Rod and Arandi Arozarena to face off against each other in Ooh. the finals because I think that would provide the most vibes at T-Mobile Park. And I think Rodriguez did well in last year's uh, derby. Mm. And Arozarena has been on the big stage before. He ain't f- afraid of, like, the bright lights. Sure. It'll we'll be see. fun. Who do we got? We got Luis Robert. Anyone Robert's. but Pete Alonso, well, man. I'm tired I, see, of watching I'm him win. I'm concerned, though. J-Rod's got the the polar bear in round one. I know. And, yeah, that's true. And I feel like Pete Alonso's just, like, made for this event. Like, he's just like, I don't yeah. care. I'm just going to hit dingers. I mean, like, what, what is he? Does. He's due, man. He's due to finally lose. Was he two, two, three times? Two or three? Three. three? I want to say it's three. It's two or three for Pete Alonso. He's I don't know exactly. He's won it three times? Is that he right? has won it multiple, multiple times. times. We'll yeah, multiple, he's won it multiple times. Multi-time winner. The bracket is Luis Robert versus Adley Rutschman. Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez, Mookie Betts versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Adoles Garcia versus Randy Arozarena. That'll be. That'll be I a lot boosted. Of fun to watch. I boosted Randy to you win did? it on the uh, DraftKings nice. app. Nice. Uh, I also sprinkled on J Rod, but I I don't know. I, I I listened to you guys with Sean today. He was very invested in. Oh it. yeah, he's all in on Luis Robert to uh, like, win I, this thing tonight. I like the idea of these little parlays to advance past the first round. Uh, I think that might be a way to go tonight. I yeah. did I did like Mookie Betts under 459 feet, like longest home run. Yeah, because he's never yeah. hit yeah, one. 100%. I think the longest home run he's ever hit is 453. It's an insane. So, it's an insane number. Yeah. Why would they do that? So I wrote huh. on that. I'm going to take that. That's that's probably okay. the lock of the night. Is under 459 and a half for Mookie Betts' longest home run. Yeah, put put your predictions in the comments if you're in the show right now. Joel says. Obviously, anyone listening to the podcast, we're doing this before. Yeah. The home yeah. run derby yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel so says how long we are. he has Pete and Adolis in the final round. Uh, fun fact: Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena, former Cardinals prospects. Mm. Uh, just wanted to point that out there that they're succeeding not with the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, well, uh, yeah, Alonzo. We're getting a lot of Alonzo. Craig has Robert and Vlad in the yeah. final round. So Craig says that Alonzo won twice, which I thought was the case. <laughs> um, yeah, and I like yeah. what Brent said. Alonzo has the perfect compact swing. He does, for the yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the home run derby. I don't know if they ever needed to change it from what it was 20 years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. it did It did feel like it took a long time, but it was also, like, just hitting dingers, right? Like, it never felt like it was a baseball game taking forever. It was just the home run derby. Yeah. But obviously they changed it with the time limits and all, you know. The, remember how it used to be 10 outs versus time limit? Yeah. Now they've changed it. I don't think it – I don't know if I like it better or worse. I think I kind of like it the exact same because it's still just guys hitting home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has changed a little bit of an element to it, too, like. As long as do we get rid of Chris Berman yet, or is he still going? Bark, 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 <laughs> I feel like that's times. the one thing he does. Now. I don't know. Like he, yeah. he does like special events, and he like that's his thing. 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Gary Ross picked Jake Slaughter to win the Harmon Derby from <laughs> Iowa, so I think that's where we should end. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> okay. Some quick uh, business before we get out of here. T- first off, tomorrow we don't have a show. We will be back on Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday so. we'll recap the rest yes. of the draft. And, right. The All Star Game, maybe Justin Steele pitches, and we get to talk about him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, you know, we're gonna, like you said, we'll review the first half of the season a little bit. Corey and Brennan already did yesterday, uh, from their perspective. But you know, whatever. There's a lot to talk about with this organization <laughs> that gives me pain. Uh, <laughs> so that's the first thing. Uh, second thing. Oh, and also, we're doing no show tomorrow because we'll have a show on Friday. And normally for Friday home games, we don't have a show. So that's why we don't have a show tomorrow. Other thing, CHGO Crosstown Series Takeover, uh, July 26th at the Cell. Uh, we're going to be at the Carrig Pub uh, in Oak Forest pregame at 4 o'clock. And then I believe there's a shuttle where we will all ride to go to the Cell and uh, hopefully watch the Cubs beat the White Sox 10-0. to uh, also, August 16th, if you don't want to go to the cell and you want to go to beautiful historic Wrigley Field, uh, the pregame meetup bar still not um, announced yet, uh, but we're going to meet up at a bar and then go to the game. And obviously the bar will be in Wrigleyville, so we'll just walk. Uh, so anyway, if you get a ticket, it buys you your ticket to the game, and then you get a free shirt like the one I'm wearing if, you're the, if you want the Cubs one, which you're watching the Cubs podcast, so I'd hope you'd want the Cubs one. But if you're a Sox weirdo watching us to hate, to, to, to hate watch or whatever, uh, you, you can get the White Sox one too or get your White Sox fan friends one um, by getting them a ticket because you're really nice. Um, so anyway, it'll be a lot of fun to hang out with everyone, like all the diehards uh, or people who haven't signed up to be a diehard yet. It's open for everyone. So you just got to get a ticket and come hang out with us. Yeah, you go on allchjo.com. You can find it there under the events tab. Yes, exactly. If you're interested. And finally, the last thing, the CHGO kickoff classic. Um, it is uh, it's a golf outing we're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. 18 holes. Exclusive pins and aces tea gift for an exclusive pins and aces uh, like shirt for every, everyone who comes. Uh, you get access to limited edition pins and aces, uh, a CHGO polo. Um, we're going to have contests. Uh, food, drinks, um, and vibes. And I promise you, I'll be the one riding the golf cart around drinking Goose Island, most of it. So um, come hang out, allchgo.com for that event. I believe that event is August, August 25th. 25th. August 25th, yes. If you're a CHGO diehard, we do have a promo code for you. Yes. You email events at allcitynetwork.com, and you'll receive your discount code for the tournament. So you can come to the event. And before you come to the event, you can go to Pins and Aces and get some more golf apparel because <laughs> you're going to need it for the golf outing. Uh, they are our official, uh, all they're an official apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course. They are family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve and an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round check out pinsandaces.com use code chjo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com okay quick super chat Ooh, Fernando super chat. rodriguez dollar 99 says country club he's in <laughs> we don't we'll know s- yet man but hey we'll see you there uh, we'll see you we will let you know when we know what pregame bar we're going to be at it's going to be a lot of fun again the crosstown series is always fun um Hopefully, hopefully, 
this game that the Cubs and Sox will be playing at the cell will be very, very meaningful. I feel like it will be, and we're going to talk a lot more about the Cubs' second half in the shows coming up this week. But that's that's where I'm at. Yep, and Barb will be at 3.30 on Wednesday. 3.30 on Wednesday, live. We live. will be live. She's asking. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, 40 likes, 67 watching. Hit the like button on your way out of here. Um, thanks to everyone for dropping in to check out the CHO Cubs podcast. Uh, we'll see you Wednesday. Uh, and, uh, again, the Cubs can't hurt you today. They can't hurt you tomorrow. They can't hurt you Wednesday or Thursday either. Just enjoy, enjoy the break. That. Enjoy, enjoy that. the break. Enjoy the break. See you Wednesday. <laughs>